Last night, I went to the worship experience out at the fairgrounds. It was a community worship time. Presence of the Lord was very, very real. As we were worshiping the Lord, I felt the Lord speak to me uh, about our services this weekend. And when I say the Lord spoke to me, I, I, I believe the Holy Spirit through a word of knowledge. It, it, it was a picture. Some might call it a vision. But I saw a ball team playing out on the field. And they kept hitting it to second base. And the problem was the home team was losing because the ball was just going out in the outfield. And when I looked over at the, at the, uh, at the sideline, the second baseman was on the bench. And I felt the Holy Spirit say to me that some of my followers are on the bench. Some of my followers are on the sidelines, and I need to get them out in the field because the team needs you. Listen, there's a lot of reasons people get off the field serving the Lord, making a difference, doing what they're called to do. You know, sometimes we're tired, sometimes we get disappointed, sometimes we get hurt, whatever the case may be. But I want to encourage you. The Lord's saying that He needs you on the field. How many know the body of Christ needs all of us to be functioning in our gift, doing what God has called us to do? Amen? Well, look in your Bibles if you have them. Matthew chapter 6, and we are continuing the series, Call to Fall. It is a series about prayer, and my intent is hopefully to help you have a more meaningful prayer life. Um, next week we'll finish it, uh, we'll conclude the series, and, uh, but today I want to go from Matthew chapter 6, I want to read the Lord's Prayer, and I've been a little redundant in this in the series, because I'm endeavoring to teach you the Lord's Prayer as a model to pray every day. Here's what I found in my life. I, have been, I was, became a Christian in 1976. That's a long time. I've served the Lord. I think it's like 42 years now. And uh, one thing I've noticed, if I go to prayer and I don't have some kind of pattern, if I don't have some kind of methodology, I just wander. And typically what I found myself doing, that I'll pray whatever my heart may be burdened with, and then I'm on to something else. But if I'll have a little bit of structure that gives me spontaneity as well to pray whether I've got five minutes or 20 minutes or an hour, I have found it helpful in my life. And I'm trying to help develop that habit in your life as well. Matthew chapter 6 is the Lord's Prayer, and we've been using the latter for an illustration showing us that there's an intro to the prayer and there's a way we close our prayer, and there's four petitions in the middle. And as we read through the Lord's Prayer, I memorized it in the New King James Version. It kind of sticks in my mind. But we begin our prayer by saying, Our Father who art in heaven. You and I are addressing our Heavenly Father. I come as His Son. I'm addressing Almighty God. I'm not talking to a God who's not listening. I'm not talking to a God that, who doesn't care. I'm talking to my Father who cares and who can do something. And then the petitions in the Lord's Prayer, the first petition, and what we'll talk about uh, in this message, but our Father in heaven, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And what's the next step? Give us this day our daily bread. Here's where we pray for our needs, our desires, the things that we want to, the Lord to do in our life. The next step, vitally important, forgive us for our debts as we forgive our debtors, or that word debts mean is talking about sin. Lord, forgive me when I've sinned against you, and I want to forgive those that have sinned against me. But then he goes on a very vital step. I pray this every day. Lord, keep me from temptation. I mean, no, when you have found yourself caught in the trap of sin, it's too late. I mean, it's got you. I pray every day, Lord, keep me from temptation and deliver me from the evil one. 
Very important. This step has to do with Satan's attacks on our life. And then lastly, the way we close our prayer for yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. It is thanksgiving. It is praise. It is faith believing that God will do it again. Now, if you don't have a, a, a handout, I want to make them available one last time. Ushers, if you'll help us. Uh, I have a handout that will teach you how to use the Lord's Prayer every day. And if you don't have one, lift your hand and they'll give you one. But I want to focus on this second step and ask the question, what did Jesus mean when he said that we are to pray that God would, uh, that his kingdom would come and his will would be done on the earth as it is in heaven? What does that mean? And here's another question. Why did Jesus tell us to make this petition first? For God's kingdom to come, and secondly, that God would give us daily bread. This is what we want to focus on uh, in the message. I've called it kingdom prayers. And uh, the truth that I'll convey this evening is very simple. Kingdom prayers have power to change the world. Let me say it again. Kingdom prayers, praying for God's will to be established on the earth, has the power and potential to produce change. Now, let's go back to the key verse that we're going to look at tonight. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 when Jesus was asked by his disciples, how do we pray? Jesus said these words, pray like this to our Father in heaven. And I want you to say this with me. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Or what you want to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now I want to show you a little video that we have brought together about three very troubling issues in our culture where the kingdom of God is not at work. And I want you to see that kingdom prayers have the power and the potential to bring God's will, God's plan, God's priorities here on the earth. So take a peek with me as we touch three very sensitive issues in our culture that are destroying lives that are in desperate need of God's kingdom. You know, I was surrendered to the fact that I was going to be a heroin addict and a junkie. And that's all I was, and that there was nothing more to me. I think she's in here. And I was okay with that at that moment. I decided that, you know, my kids would probably be better off without me. You know, I knew that they couldn't see me like that, and I couldn't keep doing that to them. Tobin tonight with a story from the increasingly mean streets of the Windy City. A hot summer night on Chicago's south side. Another young man lies on the ground with bullet wounds. We have a guy shot both legs, both low, both like ankle shots. More than 1,200 people have been shot in Chicago this year. Homicides are up 39%. Child sex trafficking knows no borders. Please, please, no, 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 no. Its victims often run from one horror only to be ensnared in another. The United States FBI provided this survivor's account on its website. She says she was abused by her father until she was 15, then tricked by a pimp into prostitution. I was 17 at the time when I met him and I got in the dawn entertainment business because of the fact that he asked me about it and he told me the money would be used towards the modeling and I believed him. 
he beat me. He had me in hotel rooms by myself for weeks. Go hungry because I wouldn't obey what he wanted me to do. You can't listen to those things and not be deeply touched in your heart. You look at it, whether it's violence on the streets of our city, whether it's uh, the drug addiction of a mom, whether it's a woman that's caught up in sex trafficking. We look at these things as Americans and we say, something needs to be done. Uh, the government needs to do something. Well, I suggest to you there's something, not just that the government needs to do something, but what's missing in all these scenarios is the kingdom of God is not established. Uh, by the definition of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven are synonymous terms mentioned 99 times in the New Testament, primarily in the Gospels. But the kingdom of heaven simply means the sovereign rule of God on the earth. When God is ruling on the earth, when people have willingly submitted to his rule, how many know addictions will give way to deliverance? How many know people that have guns ready to shoot someone and kill someone in an act of violence will lay their gun down, come on, at the cross of Christ? How many know when, when Christ comes into this world, people that sell others in sex trafficking, people that commit acts of adultery and pornography and all these things, how many know when people come to Christ, when people realize the love of God and the difference between right and wrong, how many know they give up these things, they walk away? And I guarantee if we were to take a poll tonight, many of us in this room, most of us in this room were caught up in some of these activities or activities like them, but Jesus Christ came into our lives and set us free. So what does that mean? That means more than I'm just that I'm going to heaven. What it means is the kingdom of God has come into my life. You see, when Jesus was on this earth, if you'll go back and look at the words of Christ, when he began his ministry on this earth, he didn't just say, how many want to go to heaven? What Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is in your midst. Jesus would say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And what Jesus is looking for is the rule of God here on the earth. And he's telling us in the Lord's Prayer that you and I are the first spend time praying that God's kingdom would come to the earth. If you look around America today and you're frustrated as I am as you read the news and as you see things in politics and all the lying and all the crazy things going on, what's missing? The kingdom of God is not ruling in the hearts of men and women. And this is what we're praying when we pray this prayer. Now, Revelation chapter 11, verse 15, I want to make a contrast here. And I want you to see Revelation 11, 15, the, se the, the seventh angel sounded his trumpet and there were loud voices in heaven. And listen to what these heavenly voices said. It says, the kingdom of the world, world has become the kingdom of our Lord. Now leave that scripture up there a moment. And his Messiah, he'll reign forever and ever. The kingdom of the world and the kingdom of our Lord. So what has happened in this transition? Jesus has come and Jesus has, in, has offered an invitation that God would rule in the hearts of people. But in the book of Revelation, the kingdoms of this world will give way and be over. And one day there will be no end to the kingdom of heaven. I would suggest to you that you can view human history this way. God created the world. God created Adam and Eve. And under his authority, they had dominion over the earth. But when they, and it's as if God's kingdom was ruling on the earth. But when they disobeyed, when rebellion came against God's rule, the human race was brought under Satan's authority. And Satan, the Bible calls the God of this world, He's now reigning over the kingdom of the world or the kingdom of darkness. Listen to what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4. If our gospel is veiled or hidden, 
It is veiled to those who were perishing. Listen to verse 4. In their case, the God of this world. Another translation says, The devil who rules this world has blinded the mind of the unbeliever to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. What are you saying, Pastor? Since the fall of the human race, there has been a cosmic struggle between God's kingdom or God's rule and Satan's. In the Garden of Eden, it's as if Adam and Eve handed the keys to Satan and the kingdom of darkness was established on the earth and there has been a struggle. One day that struggle will end and people who have rejected Satan's rule and chosen God's will be with him for all eternity. Friends, it is the proclamation of the kingdom of God that was the central message of Jesus Christ. And when you and I pray for the kingdom of God, the rule of God to come, you know what we're praying? We're praying that people would follow him and that circumstances would line up to accomplish his will. So when you get on your knees in the morning to pray or you turn the radio off and you pray in your car and and after you've adored the Lord in thanksgiving and, 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 and you've built your faith, you put your first foot on this step and say, Lord, I want to ask that your kingdom would come on this earth. I want to pray, Lord God, for the drug addicts that are in Texarkana and that are across this nation. I want to pray that these men and women will be freed from their drugs. I want to pray that something would come into their hearts. Are you with me today? What you're praying is that God's kingdom would be established in their hearts. God, I want to ask you that you would save drug dealers, whether they're local drug dealers or people that are bringing this stuff in the country. I want to pray in Jesus' name that this stuff would stop and every demonic power behind them would be, would be broken. When you're praying for God's kingdom to come, you, you, you look in our newspaper. I am shocked and amazed. It seems like virtually every day there's another person that's convicted or has been arrested for child molestation here in our little town. You look and there's violence that's everywhere. It's not just the streets of Chicago. It's all around us. How many know kingdom prayers link to heaven and they link down to this earth? And that's what we're trying to do. We're praying that the violence in people's hearts would turn into love. How many can say before, I was, before you were a Christian, you were a violent person? How many can say you had a temper? You yell more, you threw things, but something happens when Jesus changes you on the inside. This is kingdom praying. Listen, I don't know about you, but if I'm not careful, I can get too caught up in politics and too caught up in discussion and spend too little time praying for God's kingdom and God's, and God's rule to come to the White House. Are you with me today? I can get caught up in what's going on and laws that are being passed and who said what and what commentator said what and not spend enough time right here where things can truly change. Because, friends, this is in the place of prayer when Jesus told us to pray for God's kingdom before our needs. And let me know our needs are important. Aren't you glad there's step number three? I am. And if I don't discipline myself to pray this way, the first way that I pray to God is I just get out wherever I'm praying. I say, Lord, help me out today. I say, Lord, let me have a good day. Let me make some money. Lord, would you help me to be able to whatever you fill in the blank? But if I'll start right here, I'll make a kingdom connection. You see, it's not like this step is important and this one isn't. It just means that the step for the kingdom is before my own needs. Because here's what I found in my life. If I will give myself praying for God's needs in God's kingdom, I'll change my attitude about money and material things. Now, you may be unlike me, but I can virtually assure you that no matter how much money I had, I could find something to spend it on. Anybody else? Sure. Well, guess what? If your whole orientation to God is step three, you'll miss the power of step two. 
But I have been deliberately praying this for a long time, and I, and I got our, our uh, uh, mortgage statement came in, and we just broke under $25,000 for our house. And I, you know, so paying it off is, is in sight. Well, guess what? When I'm praying, I don't know if I've told my wife yet, but I said, you know what we want to do? As soon as we pay it off, I want to do, take the whole first fruits mortgage payment, whatever that mortgage payment is, and I want to invest it in the kingdom of God. Amen. Rather than giving it to the bank, I'm going to put it in the kingdom. You say, why would you do that, Pastor? Because step two has gotten into my heart. And I know if I'll pray kingdom prayers first, it will help me. This is the way mature believers pray. Mature believers are more concerned about God's kingdom than themselves. As mature believers, when we pray for the kingdom, we are partnering with God to establish his will on the earth. And I have de- as I have described prayer a number of times to you in this series, God has chosen, for example, if, you're, if your truck or a tractor is stuck in the mud, you know, and a wrecker comes or, or four-wheel drive vehicle or whatever the case may be, and they're going to pull you out, what they need is they need a chain. And you hook that chain to the car that's stuck in the mud, you hook it to the tractor, and you try to pull it out. Well, guess what? The problem is, is the chain has a link that's missing, and it's two pieces of chain on the earth, and what's missing, listen, the power of God is in heaven, the kingdom of heaven, the needs are on the earth, but what happens, we need a link called prayer to put itself in one piece of the chain in God's power and bring them together like this so the car gets pulled out. Are you with me today? So the drug addicts get delivered, so the violence goes down and stops. I'm telling you, friends, prayer has spiritual power. When you and I pray, and this is why we're talking about kingdom praying tonight. We're talking a step above God just helping me have a better life. We're talking about using our life to be involved in making a difference in this world for the Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody give the Lord a good hand today. Let me read another scripture before we leave this point. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said this, Don't worry saying, what are we going to eat or what are we going to drink or what are we going to wear? This is the concern that every one of us have. Every one of us, if you're in the working world, if you're an adult, you know that you have to work for your daily bread. You know you've got to have a source. And Jesus is saying, be careful. There's something more important than the things of this world. Jesus said the pagans are running after all these things. That's their priority. And your heavenly Father knows you need them. But you do what? You seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So what was Jesus telling the disciples? When you are living your life, when you are orienting yourself to life, orient yourself with a kingdom approach. And when you come to God, don't just say, thank you, Lord, that you love me. Now give me daily bread. You come here and you say, Lord, I'm on a mission from God today. I am serving you. I am giving my life to the kingdom. I'm asking you to bless me in the work of my hands, but I see myself as an instrument of God and an instrument of righteousness on the earth. Come on, somebody give the Lord one more good hand today. Now, let me give you an example of what I'm talking about, a kingdom mindset. For many of us, we have been programmed into the ways of the world, and the ways of the world basically says this. It says you go to school, you make good grades. You go to college, you get a career so you can have a good life. You hopefully buy a house. You hopefully you'll have a car for yourself and your spouse. Hopefully you'll have a lifestyle for your kids that you can enjoy. You can take a vacation. You save money for retirement. And then when you're old enough at 65, you get Social Security and you get, and you get money that you've saved and you live a good life and life is over. And that's it. 
And along the way, sometimes you have some problems, you have some needs, whatever the case may be. But it's different as Christians. You and I are on a mission on this earth for a short period of time. And our mission is to partner with God and establish the eternal kingdom of God. It is different. It is kingdom-minded praying. I'm going to give you a New Testament example in this next point. A New Testament example of what I'm going to call third step or second step or kingdom-minded praying. Acts chapter 4, if you've got your Bible. Now, if I could paint a picture for you early in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 4. Uh, Jesus, has, Jesus has, has not only died on the cross, he's resurrected from the grave. Uh, he's given the great commission where disciples are literally supposed to go into all the world and take the good news of the gospel to people. The Holy Spirit has come on the day of Pentecost. And after that, all hell breaks loose against the church. Peter and John are going to the temple to pray as, the, uh, as, as it was uh, common among the Jewish people. And a miracle happens. They see this man that had never walked before. He was a beggar. Uh, they reached out to him, and in Jesus' name, this man was, was miraculously healed. Before they know it, they've got a crowd of people that's gathered around them. They're hearing the gospel. They're coming to Christ. But then the Jews, the same Jews who crucified Jesus, were angry and jealous. And these Jewish believers basically told, or these Jewish people basically told the disciples, you better shut your mouth and stop talking about Jesus because we kill Jesus and we'll kill you too. Well, that's what they told Peter and John. Now listen, it had not been many days prior to that when they had seen Jesus crucified on the cross. They knew these people had power. They knew the Romans had the potential to hurt you. But listen how they prayed. On their release, when they were released from this Sanhedrin or the ruling council, Peter and John went back to their own people and they reported all the chief priests and elders had said to them. In other words, they went back to church that night. They were kind of hiding in somebody's house and they told them about their threatening words. Now, I want you to listen now when they go to prayer. Notice if they're on step three saying, Lord, please help us, we're in trouble, or if they're down here on step two first saying, Lord, there's a kingdom, a kingdom event about to happen. We want to be a part of it. Look at verse 24. When all the crowd heard of the persecution, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. And they said, now listen to this, Sovereign Lord, this is like step one, Sovereign Lord, you're all powerful, you're all knowing. You made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. In other words, when you approach God in prayer, you're extolling him as an almighty God. He's not a little statue somewhere. He's not a God who's not listening, but he's there and he's real. Look at verse 27. In their prayer, they remembered what happened to Jesus. Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel to conspire against your holy servant Jesus. Now verse 28, they did what their power and will had decided beforehand should happen. In other words, in their prayer life, they remembered that they crucified Jesus. And verse 29 is a telling word. Uh, it says, now. Now, Lord, these same people are about to kill us. But listen to what they said. Consider their threats and enable your servants to do what? Speak your word with great boldness. Now listen, they had every right to pray, and we'll see later it's proper to pray that God would deliver us and protect us and get out of the mess. But they were so concerned about God's kingdom going forward, that's what they prayed. It's like they're looking at the very people that had crucified Christ, and they're saying, Lord, bring it on. Stretch, notice what he said. Consider their threats. Let us speak your word with great boldness. 
stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they, where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And what did they do? Spoke the word of God boldly. Now, I want to ask you this question. Why did they pray like this? Their felt need was real. What they needed was protection. What they needed was God to deliver them from these wicked people because the same people that killed Jesus wanted to kill them. But before they prayed for personal safety, they prayed for God's kingdom to impact the world. And this is what I want you to lay hold of today. Why did they pray like this? They were praying for boldness because they were something they valued more than personal comfort. They valued the eternal kingdom of God. Let me say that again. There was something they valued more than personal comfort. They valued the eternal kingdom of God. They had come to understand that in life there was something that mattered for all eternity and something that was not that big a deal here on earth. And they have given themselves to that which lasts forever, eternal souls of men and the eternal kingdom of God. Come on, give the Lord a good, a good hand today. Now, let me ask you a question. I, I hope you're thinking, well, how should I pray every day? I mean, if I'm not in a crisis, if I, if I, uh, uh, you know, if I'm getting up tomorrow morning, I mean, you're coming to church on Saturday night. Tomorrow is a day of rest for you, but hopefully you're going to get up and whatever you, the course of your day. But hopefully you'll take some time, read your Bible, and hopefully take some time to pray. And if you're going to take some time to pray tomorrow, or maybe Monday uh, before you go to work, or or maybe you're running late and you want to pray in the car, what does a kingdom prayer sound like? If I'm going to pray for let your kingdom come, let your will be done, what does that sound like? What kind of things would I pray for? Now, I'm going to read you some scriptures, but let me tell you what I do in my personal life. The first thing when I pray that, Lord, let your kingdom come, let your will be done, I say this, Lord, I can't control anybody else in this world but me. And I want to ask you this, Jesus, let your will be done in my life today. And I approach the Lord after I've talked to my Father. I say, Lord, I want your perfect will to abundant in my, my life today. If you allow it, I've got 24 hours to live. And I want to do more than just have some fun and more than just watch some TV. But I want my life to make a difference in this world for Christ. And then I start praying for my family. I start praying for my wife next. I start praying for my children. I pray for my grandchildren. I pray for my parents. And for all their lives, I'm praying this very simple prayer. Lord, let your will be done in their lives today. Let them desire you. Let their lives line up with the eternal kingdom of God. Now, let me read some scriptures to you to let you know what kingdom praying sounds like. Uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 19, Paul the apostle writes these words. Paul said, pray for me that I, the sale is still going on at Dillard's. Pray for me that I catch a big bass today. Now listen, I'm all for sales. I think I missed it though this year. I'm all for sales and I want to catch a big fish rather than a little one. Are you with me today? But listen to what he prayed. You see, somehow I'm trying to get you to figure out how to live in both worlds. I'm trying to get you to figure out God's kingdom and its priority in my life and my needs and my desires and the fun things that I want to have in life. Somehow I want to do both. But I want God's will as the primary driver of my life. Paul said this, pray for me. And here's what Paul asked him to pray for. Whenever I speak, that I would have words, words would be given me so I can fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. Ain't that interesting? 
of all the things that Paul probably needed prayer for, he probably had some kind of eye disease that limited him. Paul, constant needs. I mean, he would work making tents to make a living, but he constantly had pressures and stuff. But the thing that he asked someone to pray for them was what, I, I want words so I can, without fear, tell other people about Christ. And here's the first thing I want you to understand about kingdom prayers. Kingdom prayers are centered on proclaiming the gospel of Christ. And the gospel of Christ that we desire all men and women to believe is simply this, that Jesus Christ died on the cross to save us from our sins. And that if we would believe in him and follow him, that God would give us eternal life. Jesus died for my sins. He rose from the dead. And those who believe and follow him will have everlasting life. Paul said, Lord, help me to be able to communicate this message. When you pray for me, pray that I do a better job about sharing the, uh, the words of Christ with other people. It is the Great Commission. Jesus said, go into all the world and tell all people the good news of Jesus Christ. But I want that to be personal in my life. Because if I'm honest, sometimes I'm a bit fearful. I got convicted just yesterday. I'm in my garden and I called someone. I, there was something I needed in the garden. And, and I had already asked a vendor in town when they got this particular item to, to let me know. And I've been going in that store for whew, years and the person in there, I'd never really had a serious talk to about Jesus. And I felt the Holy Spirit quicken me. That I go in and I may talk about church a little bit, or I, I, I've left a card. But I've never asked the question that if you were to die today, are you 100% sure you'd go to heaven? I never asked the question, is Jesus Christ the center of your life? I mean, no, friends, there's something more important than living every day. And Paul said, God, I want you to help me be strong. Don't let me be afraid of people. Don't let me be inhibited or intimidated. But let me fearlessly proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. I mean, no, it's not just the preacher's job. It's all our job as followers of Christ. That's a kingdom prayer. Let me give you another one, and it's very similar. Colossians 4, verse 2. Paul said, devote yourselves to prayer. Make it a priority be watchful. What does that mean? That you're listening to the Holy Spirit. Be thankful to God in your prayers. But listen to this. Pray for us that God would open a door for our message. What's the message? So we could proclaim the mystery of Christ. Now here's a kingdom prayer. The other day we, were at, uh, we have staff lunch once a month and, and we all went out to a little burger place. Reggie's Burgers on, on, on a, a State Line Avenue there. And they had the car out front and everything. And we're in the parking lot. We got out and Pastor Mike started talking to me. He said, he said, you remember years ago we used to have outreaches right in this parking lot. He said, we would have concerts there. We'd bring our boom truck out there. We'd set up some speakers and people just riding up and down in State Line would come in and hear the gospel. And he said, I feel like the Lord wants me to start doing that more again. Wow. Can I tell you, friends, what you and I need to pray for every day is God, give us an opportunity to share the gospel with people. Give us an opportunity. The Lord's been dealing with me about starting to turn my sermon series and writing books and use that as an, as an opportunity to be able to share the gospel with people that are in need. You see, that's a kingdom prayer, praying for other people, but praying for ourselves, that we look for open doors to be able to share about Christ. Let me give you a third one, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Here's a kingdom prayer. Paul said, finally, dear brothers and sisters, we ask you to pray for us. And here's the prayer. Pray the Lord's message will spread rapidly. Be honored wherever it goes, just as it was when it came to you. But listen to this verse 2. Pray also that we be rescued from wicked and evil people, for not everyone is a believer. 
Pray also that we would be delivered from people. And here's what kingdom prayers do. Kingdom prayers ask God to rescue believers who are under spiritual attack. When you and I are praying a kingdom prayer, let me give you an example. Uh, they can put a picture on the screen. I don't know if you know who this man is. He's, he's a man that's become famous. And he's simply a Christian, but he's a baker. His name is Jack Phillips. Jack lives in Colorado, and Jack happens to be the one that the case with the, that went to the Supreme Court. Uh, two women came in, and they wanted him to bake a cake for a same-sex marriage. You remember the whole deal? And uh, he said, I can't do that. I, I, I'll be happy to do anything else for you. Uh, you can have anything in my store, but I can't bake that cake because what you're doing violates my, my, my convictions, my biblical convictions. Well, guess what he says? And this I find hard to believe. But he said the same day that the Supreme Court was taking that case, an attorney came in my, in my shop and asked if I would create a cake to celebrate gender transition. Now think about it. He's going to the Supreme Court, and he is, is, was, was kind and gracious to the people who wanted a, a cake for a same-sex wedding. He said, I can't do it. It makes its way to the Supreme Court, and when the Supreme Court accepts it, step two happens. And now somebody's suing him because he wouldn't make a gender transition cake. It's a cake that we couldn't create because of its message. He made it clear that we'd sell them anything else in our shop, but we couldn't do that. Phillips is a Christian who follows the Bible. The Bible teaches, in the, or his words, God teaches that God made us male and female. We don't get to change that. And the government shouldn't be able to compel me to celebrate somebody who's trying to do that. Can I say this, friends? He needs our prayers. Paul asked in his request, pray for us that we be rescued from people who are doing evil things. Listen, these people need Jesus. They need our compassion. They're not our enemy. Come on now, how many know that? How many know when you look in the mirror, all you see is a sinner saved by grace? You don't see someone that is somehow superior to someone that is an alternative lifestyle, but is a Christian who believes in the Bible you and I need to have the courage, but our culture is hostile against that. I can love you and disagree with what you're doing. I can speak the truth in love, but a culture will still come against us and be hostile towards us. Can I tell you, friends, we need to spend some time on level two praying for people that are under that kind of persecution because it's growing in America today. What you see happening right now on Facebook and other social media platforms, Twitter, where they are, where they are, are shutting off what they call conservatives because of hate speech, it's this far away from being Christians who quote something from the Bible. Are you with me today? We need to pray. A kingdom prayer is praying that that which drives these people, that they would come to Christ, that God would open in their eyes, and that God would change them. Come on, somebody say, give the Lord a good hand today. Let, let me give you one more kingdom prayer. Colossians chapter 1, verse 9, Paul said, For this reason, and I want you to listen to this litany of prayers. Since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. In other words, this is how Paul prayed for other Christians. He said, we, have, uh, we continually ask God to, number one, fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. Number two, that you would live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. Number three, that you would bear fruit in every good work. Number four, that you would grow in the knowledge of God. Number five, that you would be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that we might have what? Great endurance and patience. 
Now let me go back over those quickly because when I say that you're on this step, how many know it's on this step that you can pray for yourself, you can pray for your family, you can pray for people that you don't know, you can just, uh, this is wide open. But when you're praying for someone, this is how Paul prayed for other Christians. Listen, listen to the way it's kingdom praying does. Kingdom praying prays that they clearly know God's will. He said that God would fill you with the knowledge of his will. I'm praying this almost every day now for Pastor Nick and the team that's going to Nashville to plant a church. I'm praying every day. I'm not just saying, Lord, bless Nick when he goes to Nashville. I'm saying, Lord, would you give Nick a knowledge of your will? Would you give Pastor Nick the ability to go and be the instrument there, to get along with other churches, to know inroads into the city, and be able to make a great difference in that community there? Here's another one. The second part of that lengthy scripture, that you would live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. I went to a, a pastor's mentoring session the other day with a dear friend of mine, Dr. David Shibley. And what touched my heart, this man, a little bit older than I am today, recognizing there's more life behind him that's ahead, he said, every day of my life, I'm driven more and more and more to live in a way that's pleasing to Jesus because I realize I could go to be in front of him every day. I realize I don't have much time to go on this earth. So I want to give my life, come on now, not just to duck hunting and turkey hunting. No, they're my hobbies and they're fun, and I do some of it. But there's something more important than that. So when you pray for someone, I mean, no, sometimes one of the worst things that can happen to a Christian is that they're blessed. That they're prospering financially and in other ways, because if they do, pretty soon they're not living a life worthy of the Lord and pleasing Him in every way. That's a kingdom prayer. Here's another one. It says... Bearing fruit. A simple prayer. I pray this over my children all the time. Bethany and Mason now are in Africa. They're on, that's clearly a missions experience. But I pray for my son. He's in the business world. I pray for both he and his wife. I pray that they would make a difference, not just make a lot of money, but their lives would bear fruit in God's eternal kingdom. Amen. That God would show them how to influence people. My daughter's going to college tomorrow at UCA. I'm praying for her every day that she's able to make a difference in people's lives for Christ, that we bear fruit. This is how we pray kingdom prayers. Here's another one, a growing in the knowledge of God. And listen to this one, strengthen with power of the Holy Spirit so they'll have great endurance and patience. I pray this prayer over Pastor Travis. Pastor Travis, a young man whose kidneys have failed and desperately either needs a kidney or he needs a miracle. And I pray for him for these two words, endurance and patience. I pray that the Holy Spirit would strengthen him because I know he has prayed a thousand prayers. And I know the longer you live when a prayer has not yet been answered, the harder it is to keep going. This, friends, is when we get on our knees and we take time praying, let your kingdom come and let your will be done. This is how we pray. And I want to encourage you, listen, it's easy for me to pray on step number three. When I get to that one and I feel that release to start praying this way, I don't have to pray long. I just pray. I, I, I'm walking around my yard, my, my driveway, praying. I look at my house. I say, Lord, would you please continue to give us money to be able to pay that house off? Give us, give us daily bread to be able to pay off Linnell's car. Give us bread, Lord, for our retirement for when we're not able to work. Make provision for us, Lord. I look at my little swing set for my kid one day, and I say, Lord, give me a new one of those for my, my grandson that I can have. Are, are you with me one day? I, I don't have a problem with that list. When I pray for daily bread, I say, Lord, would you give me strength for the day? 
Would you give me the mental ability to be able to face what I have to face today? Would you give me my daily bread of wisdom today so I'll know what to do in situations I don't understand? God, would you give me wisdom today? Uh, so, uh, Would you give me strength today, Lord, when I'm tired so I don't give up? It's not hard to pray that God would give us daily bread. But it's these kingdom prayers, come on now, that demand a little time. But if we'll take some time to do that, we'll be a link between heaven and the problems and needs on the earth, and our lives will make a great difference for him. Come on, give him a hand today. He's worthy of our praise. We'll finish this up next week, but as our worship team and Pastor Mike come to the front, I, I, I want to close with this thought. How, how do I, and this has really been my whole intent this, this, uh, in this message, how do I incorporate these kingdom prayers in my daily devotion? Friend, let me tell you this. It is just as simple as you setting aside some time each day to climb the ladder. See, it's not going to happen if you don't have some time to do it. And here's something else I've found. If I will just set aside time to pray, and it's something in my own life, I've got to be honest. When I started preaching this series, I realized that my prayer life had fallen back a little bit. I realized that I was t my prayers had kind of shortened over the years. Now, I know nobody else has done that, but I'm just telling you in my life because uh, it's been said that most sermons are somebody talking to themselves in the presence of other people. Are you with me today? But this has made a difference in my life and that if you will simply just set some time each day. For me, it has to be in the morning because in the evening, I'm not going to spend much time praying. In the evening, I'm tired when that TV goes off or when the book gets laid on the dresser. How many know uh, laying horizontal at 1030 or 11 o'clock at night is not a great time to pray? For me, I got to do what Jesus did. Find a time a little earlier in the morning than I normally get up and get up and spend some time with God. I want to tell you, friend, it'll make a difference in your life. And when you get ready to get ready to pray, after you have addressed your Father in heaven, as your Father that loves you and cares about you is Almighty God, if you will just give him a chance, it comes to you. I have burdens on my heart that I pray for every day, things that I'm troubled with, I'm praying for. Right now, one of the biggest burdens I have is the future expansion of our church. It is consuming in my prayers. You'll have burdens. Other times I find that when I'm praying and just walking around praying and deliberately lingering on this step, I find that God brings things to mind. I've got my phone in my back pocket, not to check my email, but if God brings somebody to my mind, guess what I do? I stop right then and I pray for them, and then I send them a text, and I say, the Lord brought you to mind today, and I prayed for you. See, if you just give the Holy Spirit some time, He'll bring things to your mind, because you don't know what's going on in the world that you take a hold of their problem and a hold of Almighty God. How many know big things happen? Because kingdom praying releases spiritual power. Give the Lord a good hand today. He's worthy of praise. I want to close this way. I want to ask if you'll stand to your feet just a moment. And here's what we're going to do. In just a second, I'm going to ask you to kneel at your chair for just a moment or two. And I'm going to ask you to take just a minute and not pray for the world today. But in this series called The Fall, I want you to just pray for yourself just a moment. And I want you to pray this prayer. I want you to say, Lord, I want to ask that your kingdom will come in my life. I want your will to be done in my life. I want to be the person that you want me to be in the days that are coming ahead. Would you do that right now if you're physically able? Would you just turn where you are and just kneel? And we're just going to do this about a minute or so, and then Pastor Michael close. But I want you to take just a minute right where you are, just 
bow at your chair, and I want you to start praying, Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in my life. Father, we do love you and pray you'll help us to continue to pray your kingdom come, your will be done. Lord, even as we go through the day, not just even a specific time, but anytime something comes up, Lord, that we'll be talking to you about it. We just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand our feet as we close and have our altar team come down. If you want prayer for anything, they'll agree with you and, and believe with you for a miracle or just for some wisdom, whatever the case may be. But as we close, I do want to ask you, are you 100% sure if you die, you'd go to heaven? Have you ever made that decision to follow Christ? Uh, you know, if you don't have peace in your life, that's because you don't have the Prince of Peace living inside of you. And you've got to invite him in. And so if you're not sure if you've gotten off track, and, uh, I mean, your life really doesn't look like that of a Christian, uh, maybe it's time just to rededicate and just say, Lord, I just need to start fresh. But if that's you, if you'd meet me over at that cross and, and Clint will be over there and we'll pray with you just to get a fresh start and get things right with God. You want to make sure you're going to heaven. But altar team, come on up and uh, prayer team will pray with you. Let's sing through one time and come down for prayer and then dismiss yourself right after the song.